Let us pray. Ten thousand years, we could sing of your glory, Father, and it still wouldn't be enough. These halls echo with your praise, with your worship, with our hearts, Father. And we ask you now to look upon your people and to smile upon us. To have your spirit join in with us as we rejoice in your name. As we bring our hearts to its knees before you in reverence, in awe of our creator, our maker, and our savior. Everything good that we could ever have, Father, comes from you. Any trials that we are in right now can be overcome with you. And any burdens that we bear are not too heavy for you, Father. To live is Christ, to die is gain. We pray that if there is anybody in this household right now that doesn't know the joy to live for you, we pray that you would call out to them in a way that you never have before. In a way that their hearts would soften, their ears would open, and their eyes would see like it was the first time. To look upon our Savior and to know that he's smiling down upon us. We ask you to be with us, to be with every single person, from the youngest child to the most senior members here, to our pastor, Chris, our worship team, everybody that comes together to not only worship you, but to learn about you. That our gaze, our minds would be fixed upon you. And that as we leave here tonight, we would leave here changed, renewed, transformed. That our spirits would feel light. That our hearts and our will would be aligned with yours, Father. Guide us now. Show us your love. Although we do not deserve it. Although we fall short of your glory. Because you are the God of love. You are the God of peace. And oh, to know that peace, Father, here in this life is a grace that we don't deserve, but was freely given to us by the sacrifice of your son on the cross. So we thank you now for this moment of prayer. We thank you for allowing us to serve you, to worship you, and to learn about you. We pray that our affection for you would only grow our affections of Christ would grow for the people around us and that you would empower us to be your witnesses to all the ends of the earth. We pray these things in your son, Jesus Christ, holy and precious name. Amen. So we're going to read uh, Acts 25, 13 to 27. The word of God goes this way. Verse 13. Now when some days had passed, Agrippa the king, and Bernice arrived at Caesarea and greeted Festus. And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There's a man left prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. I answered, them that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before before the accused met the accusers face to face and had opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge laid against him. So when they came together here, I made no delay, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evils as I supposed. Rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss, 
how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself tomorrow, said he, you will hear them, you will hear him. So on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp, and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. Then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in, and Festus said, Can Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, saying that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he had done nothing deserving death, and as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. But I have nothing definite to write to my lord about him, therefore I have brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, I may have something to write. For it seems to be unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. Okay, let's pray. Thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for song and singing. And as uh, the Bible has already been exposed to us, as scriptures have already been showered over us, uh, there's still a lot of work to be done, God. It needs to get into our heads better. It needs to get into our hearts more true. And it needs to transform us from the inside out. So this is what we pray for. This is what we believe will happen uh, as we come to you in faith, praying it in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. Uh, let me set the stage and we'll walk through this. I got two points tonight that I hope for us to see and chew on. But right now, Paul is getting ready to address a pretty epic crowd. And in this crowd, there's a lot of powerful, prominent, prestigious, people of the day. So I want to ask you guys this. Imagine having an opportunity to witness to royalty or famous celebrity types. Just imagine that. I wonder how you'd carry yourself. I wonder how I'd carry myself. Uh, I had a chance to preach the word to Adam Sandler uh, at a basketball. We had a, a, a church basketball thing. And one of the guys that we were playing against, one of the churches we were playing against, they had their friends with Adam Sandler and he was in town and he wanted to play. And so at halftime, we circle up and someone from the home team gives a devotional. And that was my week that night. And I'm not going to lie, I noticed him there. I, I, I walked through my devotional nugget and I did a little, you know, and I, I don't even remember my devotional, but just imagine that. You know, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've met some sort of celebrity types in my day. I mean, you surf at bowls enough, you, you bump into pro surfers. Um, but, you know, as I've been walking with the Lord, and I'll just say this in all honesty, uh, I do feel a sense of that celebrity bug really fall and flail by me. Like, it's not as impressive anymore. I don't keep up with celebrities. I don't even know who's in and out. A lot of people drop, oh, do you know so-and-so, whether it's an artist or an athlete. And for the most part, if they're, they weren't big in the 80s, I don't know. Um, and, and, and that's not a thing where I'm just like all like whatever anti, like, you know. Um, but as you walk with the Lord, because what we see here with Paul is he's in the presence of the most popular, prestigious, powerful people of the day. And he's respectable to them as a Christian. But he's not a respecter of man as the people of the world are. He's not starstruck. You look at the way Paul carries himself, and we'll see later how he speaks. This brother is so in tune and so in awe of the king of kings being the famous one. That in the presence of little political figures who everyone worships and adores, he just sees flesh and blood. No, so because I mean, I know maybe in our lifetime, you may not have a chance to do a devotional to Adam Sandler or preach to a crowd of politicians or royalty. 
You know, I may never have a chance to preach the gospel with the president in our midst or anything like that. I may not. But you know, what's crazy is I wonder if for Paul, when he first got called to this adventure, if you remember this back in chapter nine, if you were there a couple of years ago, Acts chapter nine, verse 15, uh, it says that Jesus said, he's my chosen instrument and he's going to go speak to governors and kings and to all the people of Israel. And I wonder if at that moment when Paul was being set apart and he heard those words, you are going to go preach the gospel to governors and kings. And all of Israel, if Paul thought to himself, really? Because right now, tonight, what we're reading is the fulfillment of that verse. He is before governors. And it says the prominent people of the day. And King Agrippa himself and Berniki, his sister, who people feared. They trembled when they walked into the room. They were noticed. And what I love, love, love is that Paul is faithful and he loves and cares about these lost celebrities. But you know, something that it made me think of when Jesus said, it's really hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. We're seeing that tonight. I want to shift more of our attention to, to these prominent people. Um, Matthew 19 says this, Jesus said to the disciples, truly, I say to you, this is verse 23 and 24, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Only with difficulty. Again, I tell you this, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a person like this, a rich person, to enter the kingdom of God. And you may be thinking, well, I'm not rich. Well, let me tell you this. In relation to the world today, if you own a car, if you drove here, if you ate food today, if you have a home or a roof over your head, you are living among the richest in the world. We are rich. Guys, there's no argument there. We are rich. Now, that a verse like what Jesus says then ought to kind of put some fear in our hearts. Don't look at Festus and King Agrippa and think that's them and I'm not them. Because I would actually argue and say, we're a little bit more at home with the difficulties of a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because rich, wealthy people, they are filled with the comforts and pleasures of this life. They're not used to saying, I need anything. If they want something, they'll go get it. Like Festus and Felix and Agrippa and Berniki, they're not the kind of people that are tripping of what they're going to eat this afternoon. So, to tell them that they need a savior, if you're not accustomed to being needy, then the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be hard for you to swallow. We are living in a culture and a time, and we worship images and people that are like this. We, and I, when I say that we, I mean, we are by the grace of God. If you're in Christ tonight, you're redeemed. Your heart runs away from that. But if you're honest with yourself, you and I are still living in this fish tank and we are surrounded by that filth. Like Isaiah says, right? I, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Don't tell me that the culture and society around you has no influence on you. Because I do think pomp and pride and arrogance and the desire to have that flashy lifestyle, there's still a temptation there. And it's that very pride, it's that very arrogance, it's that very uh, comfortability and sense of like, I don't need God, is what really hinders any of us from entering the kingdom of God. And so for people like Festus and Felix and Agrippa and Berniki, it's hard for them. And what we're going to see tonight is when they're in the presence of a messenger of the cross of Christ. And he delivers the message. One, they're unmoved by it. Totally unmoved. We'll see that. And the second, they're unsure what to do with this messenger. You know, history tells us pretty well uh, throughout time that the message of the cross, Jesus Christ and all his followers, the message we carry, the people of this world and the way the world is, is pretty unmoved by it. And the world doesn't know what to do with us. Paul's not the first Christian that the government didn't know what to do with. Jesus Christ himself, they didn't know what to do with this man. John 11, he raises Lazarus. And he says, if you believe, you too will rise. They're talking about the resurrection. Same thing Paul's talking about tonight. And you know what the Jews said? They caught together and they, what do we do with this guy? Totally missing and unmoved by the cross. But what do we do with this guy? Because he's stealing our shine. So, so brothers, sisters, as we walk through this, the two big punches we're going to see tonight is they're unmoved by the message of the cross and they don't know what, they're unsure what to do with the messenger of the cross. And the, the devotional question that I have for us as we walk through the text is as 
as people who struggle with the rich complex, the devotional question I want you to ponder is what is your reaction to the message of the cross? What is your response to the word of the cross? What are you doing with Jesus? What have you done with him? Has he lost his wow and marvel and awe? What are you doing with the cross? That's the question I want us to chew on as we go. So God, help us keep us two points from your word. Put it where it belongs in Christ's name. Amen. So verse 13 to 19, we're going to just walk through it briefly and see some things. But let's check this out. So King Agrippa, we talked about him in observation, his background. He's, he's carnal. He's um, son of a carnal king, Agrippa I, who died in Acts 12. Um, so we see he's not too different from his pops. He's all about people pleasing, and he's all about pleasure. And he comes in with Berniki, his sister, right? Rumor heard is that they're involved, uh, but nothing is being said. And they arrive at Caesarea, and they greet Festus. Now, Festus is the new governor. Stayed many days, and then finally Festus strikes up an intriguing conversation. There's nothing to talk about, so hey, let's talk about Paul. And he lays before the king the whole case. Now, in observation time, you did well. Um, he mentions that they had all these charges and none of them were falling through. Um, now, look at this in verse 18. He, it's interesting. He says, when the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evils as I supposed. Meaning he was already not sold on this case. He, he already sensed that this case is kind of a flop. But then here, look at this. This is what he does remember of the case. This is what he's gathered so far. He says, they had certain points of a dispute with him about their own religion. So he's like, okay, this is not a matter of the law. It's just they, they have a beef with their own, they have a theology war going on. You almost kind of sense it in his attitude. He says, um, their own religion and there's this certain Jesus. There's this dude named Jesus. And uh, oh yeah, he was uh, apparently dead. And then Paul is asserting that he's alive. That's it. And here's the thing I want us to see though. Festus is not concerned or struck at all by that message. It's just like, that's just what Christians talk about. They're just, you know, they're having their own little religious thing. And, you know, so I don't know what to do with this. But I want us to see this first point. Festus was unmoved by the message of the cross. No, Festus, he's not just some Jesus that died. He is crucified, Festus. And he is Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. See, to Festus, this is not a, such a big deal. Like, he's like, dude, they're just having, what's the big deal about, they just let this guy go. He's not, not even deserving death. You know, the Jews, they're, they're, they have a bunch of false accusations, but, the, but what they're beefing about is not a, not, not a big deal. It's a big deal. They're beefing about whether or not Jesus really died and came back to life. They're beefing about life after death. They're beefing about resurrection. And if Jesus is the one. See, so, so Festus is reading this case, but he's totally missing. He doesn't realize how powerful and life-altering that file that slid on his desk really is. It has the potential to save his soul from the fires and wrath of God. Festus doesn't see any of that, just some case, just some Jesus. Apparently he's dead and some dude says he's alive. Unmoved. What's the big deal? It's a big deal, Festus, because Based upon the truths of this case, Jesus is the answer. He's the cornerstone. He's the way, the truth, the life. This is what you need, rich man, and you don't see it. John Calvin says this about Festus. He says, Festus was a careless listener when it comes to Christ. Careless listener when it comes to Christ. Question, brothers, sisters, are we careless listeners? When it comes to Christ, like, like, don't be so quick to think we're not. We took the Lord's Supper this Sunday. 
were we careless? That whole drama reminded us that we serve a living Savior who died and rose again. Don't just throw the wafer in your mouth and chug the juice carelessly. How many Christmas and Easter services have we come to honestly, honestly, throughout our lifetime growing up, maybe even to today, after walking with God for years, how many Christmas services and Easter services have you sat in unmoved because it's just the same story again and again? Guys, the word of the cross, the word of resurrection, it's, it's important. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. We've got two points, so I'm going to do some turning tonight. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Make your way there. But we're talking about Festus being unmoved by the word of the cross, by the resurrection of Christ. And it's something I've been begging God to make sure in my soul and in the soul of our church, we are never, ever, ever unmoved by the resurrection. First Corinthians chapter 15. Verse one reads like this. Now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you. This is Paul who's on trial right now that we're reading about. Which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now listen up. He says, verse three, I delivered to you as of, what's the word? First. Second? Third? Not a priority? First importance. I delivered to you that of first importance, what I have also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, the resurrection, guys. See, Festus heard this and said, it's just something. We can deal with this later. Guys, it's of first importance. This is why I made it, Sam and I made it our ambition to make sure this would be Blue's first memory verse that Christ died, was buried, and risen according to the scriptures because it's the most important thing his little heart will ever, 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 ever grasp. It's the most important thing any of our hearts can ever truly grasp. Festus thinks Paul's a lunatic. I mean, think about it. You're a Christian tonight. You believe in the supernatural. You believe someone died, and right now this second is not dead. Pause right now. Just think. This very second, Jesus is alive. He's alive. He is here. He is present. And he knows you. And he knows me. And he knows Festus. But Festus does not know him. May this never become dull. May it never be redundant, boring, or lame. Brothers, this is our hope. Sisters, this is our everything. So when we take the Lord's Supper next month, when it's a Sunday, you don't need to wait for Easter once a year. Sunday comes, you got to wake up with a skip in your step. Why? Because he's risen. He's risen indeed. Nothing gives me more joy than to wake up in the morning and gasp, you're alive. My God is not dead. Jesus did not stay in the tomb. He overcame what all of us, what every soul fears most. Death, damnation, wrath, separation, loneliness for eternity. Christ conquered that and he lives and Festus is passing the case like it's just something. Never let that happen to your soul. You beg Lord Jesus tonight. Please don't let me ever, ever be unmoved by the word of the cross. Turn here, Hebrews chapter 11, just a little bit more back in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, just flip, flip a little bit. 
If we are Christians, Christians, little Christ followers, this is our heartbeat. You believe there is a man and his name is Jesus and he is the Christ who this very moment is alive. That while you we bowed our head, we closed, we prayed. You're praying to a real person. Hebrews eleven six. it says, without faith, without faith, without faith, it is impossible. You see that? No can, says the local person. Impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, here it is, must believe that he exists. That he rewards those who seek him. See, Festus was earnest. Earnest about getting more money. Earnest about getting rid of this case. Earnest about what he's going to write to, to Caesar with this strange man in his message. But he was not earnest about knowing the Jesus who is risen from the grave. Do you believe he exists? That's a straight question. See, Festus doesn't, he lacks faith. How about this? Do you believe he exists or do you just say it? Do you believe it when you're all alone and sin is knocking on your door? Do you believe he exists with all his wrath and judgment? Because when you sin, brother, sister, or non-believer, you are, Roman says, storing up wrath against yourself. Do you believe he exists? When you're at a crossroads and you don't know which way to turn. You don't know what to do. Do you believe he exists and that he's the wonderful counselor? And that he's sovereign? And that at the, the glance and, and the looking up of your heart in that moment, he's there. Because that's our father's heart. The second the prodigal son made his way home, the father ran. See, do you believe he exists like this? When we're standing here together in the congregation singing songs and hymns, do you believe he exists? Come on. If we believed he existed, we would not sing the way we sing at times. Mindlessly, heartlessly, carelessly, half-passionately. If we believed he exists, maybe we wouldn't even sing at times. We would tremble. He's worthy of our song. How about when you're out and about and you're around all sorts of people in the community? Do you believe he exists? Do you believe that he's worthy of all that glory and service? And on, when he says, you know, go make disciples of all nations. Yeah, I'm with you. I got to remember that. I forget a lot. I'm meeting with a person. I'm talking to a neighbor, walking the dogs with someone. I'm spending time with my children, trying to teach them Jesus. I'll confess, I forget he exists and that he's with me. And therefore, I get drained and tired, and it just becomes mundane ministry work. Oh, Chris, don't forget, he exists. He's right there with you. Liven up, son. You got breath in your, and you keep it, keep it going. He's alive. You'll see him soon. Don't hold back. And then my heart begins to beat again. How about this, brothers and sisters and friends? When death comes knocking on our door, whether by sickness or disaster or war or old age, in that hour, do you believe he exists? And that when it says in John that those who believe in me, though they die, yet shall they rise. I believe it. Do you believe it? This is why for the Christian, funerals, home-going services, 
such a beautiful place to be. I honestly am on the verge of even, if there's any open funerals for Christians, I might just go even if I don't know the man or the woman. I mean, I, I will know them for eternity. I may not know them personally, but hey, they crossed over. And there's just something about like being at Henry's funeral this past week, just something about hearing a legacy of faith that is being left behind and then imagining brother in glory that just keeps me sane and sober. It gives me breath for the day. Don't let the message of the cross pass us by. Don't wait until death to finally consider the resurrection. Don't treat what is of first importance as a second, third, or last priority. Festus does not know what he's missing right now. He's failing to see the gravity and the power and the importance of the message of the cross. My encouragement to you, and we'll get to the last point, please don't fail to see that tonight. You see, what separates Festus from someone like Paul or what separates Peter from someone like the chief priest is faith. And faith, according to Ephesians 2, friends, is a gift. Lest any of us should boast. So you know when I show up here on a Wednesday night or I come on a Sunday and I see you brothers and sisters here excited to worship the Lord and I see someone fervently in prayer at a, at a Sunday evening prayer meeting and they're, they're praying their knees off so passionately, it moves me and it stirs me and I say, you are so blessed for God has given you much faith. You know, when I hear stories of you guys making life choices and decisions that are hard for the Lord, I look at you and I say, you are so blessed for God has given you great faith. It's a gift, guys. So I want to encourage you right now, stop and pray, God, give me faith. John chapter 6 says, no one comes to the Father unless he draws him. I sure bet Paul was praying for the Lord to draw Festus, even though he's preaching to a crowd that seems unmoved by his message, just entertained by his being, him being a spectacle. Colossians 3, 1 through 4, it says this, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things of the earth, for you've died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. He's coming. He's going to appear. Don't get hypnotized and don't get distracted by this world, guys. It's all smoke. It's all smoke and mirrors. He's alive, baby. He's coming. Let's finish this. One more point. Pointing to the end. So being at a loss of how to investigate these questions. So Festus is, what do I do? I don't know what I'll do. Like, yeah, you do. It's a no-brainer, bro. He's innocent. <laughs> but, you know, we talked about this already. He's in a political pickle. So I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. Paul appealed to be kept in custody. He's ordering to be go to Caesar, verse 22. So Agrippa said to Festus, oh, I like here. See that? Agrippa said, I would like to hear him then myself. Tomorrow you'll hear him. 22, the next day, check it out. Agrippa and his sister Berniki came with, let's just pause on this a little bit. Look at how they're walking in. Great pomp. I know some of you, when Clay was reading the scripture, you laughed or chuckled at pomp. But you know, pomp was actually intriguing word study for me this week. This is the word. You ready? Fantasia. What does that sound like? Exactly where we get it. Think of it. A fantasy. A fantasy is something you just imagine and dream up, but it's not true. Agrippa and Berniki are walking in a fantasy land. They're walking in all pump as if there's all that. Look at me. They, they, they just they, they have a chance to set up this, this epic meeting. They're not really concerned about justice or the trial or the message of the cross. They just see an opportunity for entertainment and shine. That's this whole thing. It's a show. 
Festus is all about this too. If he can hook up with these guys and make his name a little bit bigger too, kind of get some um, brownie points up with the, the, the king of the Jews. He's like, dude, this is good for me as a governor. This is all a circus. This government show is just a circus. But don't worry, because simultaneously Jesus is using this. Though the message of the cross, 1 Corinthians 1, to the Jews is a stumbling block, and we saw that. The Jews are tripping. They don't know what to do with Paul. But to the Gentiles, it's folly. That's what it says. Paul says the message of the cross to the non-believer, to the Gentile, it's folly. So for Festus Agrippa and these guys, this is foolish. Let's just use this as a chance to shine. And it's this great pomp and pride, guys, that is going to hinder them from really hearing the message of the cross. 1 Peter 5, 5, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. God opposes the proud. Remember that the next time you walk in a room and think he's all taunted on. Just remember that. You all puffed up in Pompey. You know? We all struggle with it. You know? You, I see it when I'm paddling out there in the surf lineup and just people, and you get tempted to paddle back out too, just and you just paddle by people as if they don't exist. Just It's like, oh, pump, pride, arrogance. You know, we got to be careful, too, because we do that in the church as well. Matthew chapter 6, be, beware of doing righteous acts before others to be seen. Agrippa and Festus, guys, they're, they're trying to work their political, they're playing politics to feel all pomp and prideful, but we might play religion to do the same thing. Just be careful. It's the same heart. It's the same sin, pride, arrogance. And understand this, the Lord is against such a heart. Isaiah 2 verse 12 says, the Lord of hosts has a day against all the proud and lofty, against all that's lifted up. He gonna bring them low. So next time you think of yourself more highly than you ought, remember, there's one man, and his name is Jesus Christ. There's one name that is worthy of praise and all accolade and honor and glory. Think of it, brothers and sisters. We are sinners saved by the grace of God. We have no reason to brag except Christ. He is our only bragging, right? This is why Paul is in the presence of all these proud, arrogant people who are trying to puff themselves up, and he's brokenhearted because he's like, you're missing it. You guys, you're missing it. You think you're all that. You're not. But I'll preach to you the cross because I love you, even if you don't love me back. And we'll see him do it next week gloriously. But here's the last point. So they were unmoved by the message of the cross, and they were unsure what to do with the messenger of the cross. Look, it, it says, I don't know how to investigate. He says, I have nothing definite to write. So, I mean, Agrippa, I'm bringing you in in hopes that maybe I'll have something to write. They just don't know what to do with this guy. Unmoved, unsure, but totally just missing it. They're right there. They got front row seats to the best preacher in the known world right now. But be careful. How many times have God, has God in love sent messengers to you and I? Messengers in the form of a parent, a Sunday school teacher, a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, a preacher tonight. And you and I too were unmoved and unsure what to do with this Jesus. Luke 10, 16 says, the one who hears you hears me, but the one who rejects you rejects me. They're rejecting Paul. But ultimately, guys, they're rejecting Christ. Paul is just a messenger of the cross. So by rejecting the messenger, they're rejecting the message. By rejecting the message, they're rejecting Christ. I remember, I was thinking back, I was trying to remember when God first sent messengers on my behalf. And it was my parents. Those are the first ones. My mom, my dad, they brought the message of the cross to me as a young boy. 
and growing up, then it would become Sunday school teachers and um, preachers that I don't know who they are. But I remember there was a time in my heart, unmoved. As a, as a boy, I didn't want to get a Bible as a, as a gift. I didn't want to hear another Bible story. In my mind, as a young boy growing up, I just thought, these are just old people telling me old stories. <laughs> unmoved. Unsure what to do with this. What to say. And then, oh, by the grace of God at age 12. And here I want to tell you this because it was something outside of myself. I didn't know what happened. But then curiosity kicked in. This fear. You know, in Proverbs, is the fear of the Lord is the, the beginning of knowledge. There is this fear in that young 12-year-old of if I don't know Jesus, I will face wrath. I will go to hell eternally. And it, for the first time in my life, moved me. And that fear led to just compelling, being drawn, being wanting to read and know and know that I know. And, and that turned into love and obsession and passion and pleasure and every delight. Because the God and Jesus that now I know is so good. And I love him. And he's alive. You can't convince me otherwise because he's drawn me and he saved me and he's going to keep me and hold me. So it is your story, brother and sister, if you are in Christ tonight. But I ask you the question, are you, do you believe he exists? If you don't believe he exists, then the Easter story is just a story. Christmas is just about the gifts. If you don't believe the baby exists, if you don't believe he, he, he hung on a tree, you know, my son, he, I love that he likes to say this now, but he says, Jesus died on the cross. And I just, I, I just pray every time he says that, like, let him believe it, Lord. Give him that pure childlike faith to believe it. And that's what we pray for. That's what we need. This is what Festus them don't have. So to close, as God comes to you this evening, through all sorts of means and messengers bringing to you the message of Christ and the cross and his reality. Are you unmoved? Are you ignoring? Are you unsure? Ask for certainty this evening. Ask for him to move you. It's a gift. Regeneration. It's rebirth, right? Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus is tripping. He's not, how does this work? I got to go back in mom's belly? It's of the spirit. It's supernatural. It's outside of you. Just like baby Rhett who was born. That was outside of him. He didn't ponder and think, I'm coming. Mommy, daddy, make me. And make me like this. He just, oh, ah! And he's alive. And he's got all these desires. And, he, and even now he knows who his mother is. And he knows he's a part of a family. He might not be able to articulate all of it. He, doesn't, he may not even know how to articulate his name. I'm sure he doesn't. That would be impressive. Rhett, see? He doesn't know yet. He's getting it. But he's still a child of God. And so I just plead with you tonight. If there are parts in you where you do know Christ. You know he's alive. You know he's your Lord and Savior. Then I encourage you, keep getting that good milk of the gospel and grow in your knowledge of knowing this amazing person. But if you don't know him, hear it again from another messenger. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, past, present, future, now, and when King Jesus comes again, you too will rise and meet him in glory and you will not have to fear. Here's the thing about the Christian faith, guys. What I love and I relish on so much is to wake up in the morning, to look up in the sky. And because of Christ, not because of me or anything that I've done, not because I'm a pastor, not because of how many messages I've preached and how many messages I've nailed it, None of that matters. It's all because of Christ. He is not angry with me. He's not at odds with me. I'm not 
an enemy. I am a friend of God. I am a servant of Jesus. I'm a citizen. I'm a child. I'm a saint. I'm his. Oh, the assurance. Festus guys don't have none of that. Paul has it all. Do we have it this evening? Matthew 16, Jesus says to disciples, who do people say that I am? Oh, you're a prophet, you're this, you're that. What's you? What do you who do you say that I am? Peter speaks up. Call me, call me, call me, Jesus. Thank you. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. All the other boys, you know. But then Jesus says this, interesting. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father in heaven. Only by the Spirit of God can you say in your heart tonight, when you lay your head to rest, Jesus is the Christ. You know what that means? He's the one. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the chosen one. He's the Savior. He's your one. He's the one you've always been waiting for. He's the one you've always needed. He is the one. He is the Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. This is Jesus. And he's alive. So we'll close in prayer. We'll fellowship with him. And as we fellowship with one another, know this church. He walks among us. He is here. He's here. Let's pray. Oh, King Jesus, thank you so much for Paul and his life and the faith you've given him. Whether he knew it or not, he was literally walking in the footsteps of Christ. Both him and you were falsely accused handed over to Roman rule, appeared before Roman governors and before Jewish kings. You both were rejected. But unlike Paul, you were crucified. You bled. And you suffered a horrific death so horrifying that words wouldn't even do justice to describing. You were beaten beyond recognition of a human being. And upon all the physical pain, you had the burden of carrying the weight of the sins of the world. You were separated from the Father. And you did this, why? Why did you do it, Jesus? The Bible tells us you did this in love. Christ demonstrated his own love for us in this and that while we're sinners, you died. God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son that who'd ever believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You loved us. So, Father, in this moment, Lord Jesus, would you meet us? Corinthians says that we were here and we're called into fellowship with Christ. So church, as we prepare to close in a song, would you take these moments of silence to go to him? Ask for faith. He is here. He exists. Remember, without faith, it is impossible. So spend time with the risen Savior right now, and we'll close in a song together. As the Lord leads you, continue to pray.
Because you've never seen too much about the blood. For the life is in the blood. Oh, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Those who are in Christ, man, we're alive. Oh, we're alive and well. Sure, Father, there are things that are hardships and things that we struggle with and grumble over, but, man, when it all comes down to it, at the end of the day and at the end of life, we're alive. And we'll live forever. You are not the God of the dead. You're the God of the living. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank you so much for giving us life. You are the light of the world. So help us now to live, walk in grace, walk in love, walk with Christ. Thank you so much for my brothers and sisters who are here this evening. Let us walk together side by side, encourage each other as we finish this race ahead of us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's children say, Amen. 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 Amen.